Well, we're talking about change, and this is wrapping up the series actually today about this. And speaking of change, if uh, you like to sleep in and you don't like crowds, come at 1045. <laughs> I think we have about one-third the number in that service that we do uh, today. So seriously, it would, it would be a blessing to us because it'd be more room for others in this service to invite their friends, and, uh, and you can sleep in and... Um, Enjoy fewer people if, if, that's, if that's what you want. So, um, but I, I, this has been a good series. We've been talking about the importance of change. One of the things, if you had missed it, um, I have this on my cell phone uh, lock screen. You can scan this QR code, and, and it just gives all of the different fruit of the Spirit, each one separately, if you want to work on one of those things this year. Because we talked about how what the change that God wants in us goes beyond behavior modification. So he doesn't want you to just stop eating a plate of brownies every Friday night, okay? He, he wants you to have self-control. He, he doesn't just want you to, to, to not blow up at your family. He wants you to, to, to embody love or, or patience within you. And so all of the different things that we might, oh, I want to exercise more or, or I, I, I want to, you know, do this or stop doing that and um, like it really comes down to what's more important is what's on the inside and asking God to help and to walk with us to change on the inside. And so I did this on my phone. I, I, I did the self-control screen. So every time I turn my phone on, that's on the lock screen. And I'm just reminded God wants me to be self-controlled. And uh, maybe your word uh, out of those fruit of the spirit is, is peace, right, or joy, or whatever, but, but what, what does God want in this season of your life? And uh, we're talking about change, and uh, this is a great week, I think, to end this series because this is called Quitter's Week. <laughs> February 1st is on Wednesday, and by February 1st, the vast majority of everyone who made a New Year's resolution has already quit. You know, and I remember Matt Pusser, who's one of our pastors in Halstead, and he talked about how he was a, a trainer and how the gyms would be full, you know, the beginning of January and the middle of January. And then they start to trail off. And he said, by March, it's back to normal, <laughs> you know, and it's empty in the parking lot. And, and, um, and, and so we often quit. And so what I want to talk to you today is about how do you keep the change, and, and keeping the change and talking about that, I'm going to go to a book of the Bible that, that we rarely go to. And I don't preach out of this book very often, have heard probably even fewer messages from other pastors from this. And, and it really has to do with what Jessica was sharing before, and I'm so glad she was willing to do that. It, it's the book of Lamentations. And another way of saying that is like a book of, of crying to God. And there's a whole book of that. And it takes place, uh, written by a man by the name of Jeremiah. I don't have photos of what uh, Jeremiah's world looked like, but it looked like this. It looked like war. And these are pictures from World War II. But Jeremiah lived during the second worst period of time to be a Jew. Uh, the worst period was during the Holocaust, where over six million Jews were, were, were slaughtered by the Nazi by Nazi Germany. The third worst time to be a Jew was 70 AD when the temple was destroyed and half a million Jews were slaughtered by soon-to-be Emperor Titus. In fact, the, the monument for that still stands in Italy today. Um, 
you know, the, the celebration over the slaughtering of the Jews and the conquering of Jerusalem and the burning of the temple. But that was the third worst time. The second worst time to be a Jew was during Jeremiah's day. They were conquered three times by Babylon, and the last one was the worst one. It was within a 20-year period of time, and Babylon decided, three strikes, you're out. We are not coming back here to conquer Jerusalem again, to conquer Israel again. And they leveled everything of importance. They leveled the walls, the temple, anything that would be of national pride, they burned to the ground and destroyed. And, and in the midst of that was Jeremiah. And all throughout it, he was telling the people, this is what God says. Turn to God even now and he'll, he'll avert disaster. And every time they did the exact opposite of what Jeremiah said. And, and in the end, Jeremiah was shackled with hundreds of others. And some of the first several deportations, first several times they conquered, they, they took thousands of slaves and captives out of Israel. But now the place was so deserted, they had been beaten down and slaughtered so often. There's so few people in Jerusalem, they only led hundreds away. And one of them was Jeremiah, and it so happened that Nebuzardan, the, the leader of the Babylonian army, the, the, the main general, as he just happened to be walking past a group of these shackled prisoners, Jewish prisoners, he recognized Jeremiah. And he said, are you Jeremiah? Yes, I am. He said, set this man free. This is the prophet that, that predicted that we would have the victory these three times. And then he says to Jeremiah, he says, you know what? You're free. If you come with me, I promise I will take good care of you for the rest of your life but you can go wherever you want. You can go to Babylon, you can stay here, do, do whatever, you're free. And Jeremiah chose to walk alone back into the streets of Jerusalem, largely empty. And at some point after that, he wrote this, how deserted lies the city, once so full of people. Lamentations 1.1, Lamentations 1.12, is any suffering like my suffering? that was inflicted on me, that the Lord brought on me. Verse 16, no one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. God told Jeremiah, I don't want you getting married. And because of what's to come, you don't want to get married. You don't want to have any kids. He had no one. I called out to my allies, but they betrayed me. And it goes on verse after verse. Lamentations is actually, it's poetry. The first 22 verses, the first chapter, he goes A and, and just laments, starting with the letter A, and then verse two starts with the letter B, and then verse three starts with the letter Gimel, G, because that's the way their alphabet went, you know, but, but A through Z, and then chapter two, A through Z again, and then chapter three, three A's, three B's, three C's, all lamenting, and then right in the middle, 66 verses before, 66 verses after, there's about 22 verses in the middle of Lamentations where he's, he, he's not lamenting, and he's just thinking and pulling his mind to God and who God is. And, and that's, you know, we're going to get a little bit of the laments, but that's where we're kind of going today. But I, I just want to just focus, if you are here today, and you have failed in whatever you've resolved to do, th that doesn't mean you should quit. 
Failure is different than quitting. Israel was supposed to be this beacon on a hill. They were supposed to be this, this light to all the nations to show them what, it, what, what happens when you follow God and how God blesses you and what a society looks like that is committed to the Lord and how much it prospers and how much love is there and joy and, and all these fruit of the Spirit, peace. And, and, and that's what Israel was supposed to be. And for over 800 years, they failed at that. And so God got to a point where he said, we're, we're, we're just going to do it different now. And he brought in the Babylonian army. And, 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 and this is, this is where, where Jeremiah goes with that. He says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Again, this is part of those first 66 verses about uh, his pain. And, and interestingly, as he talks about his pain, he starts with, the circumstances. He starts with Jerusalem and Israel, and he says how bad it is for them. But then he turns and talks about how bad it is for him. And then very quickly after that, he blames God. And some of you here might say, well, you shouldn't blame God. God didn't do all those evil things. He just allowed it. Same thing. It's the same thing. In fact, it, it, Jeremiah is very clear that he didn't allow it. God actually did it. As you read Jeremiah, I mean, over and over, he, he, he points it out. The Lord is like an enemy. He swallowed up Israel. The Lord is the problem. I mean, the Lord has done what he planned. He's fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. The Lord has rejected his altar and abandoned his sanctuary. The Lord determined to tear down the wall around his daughter Zion. And over and over and over again, he says, the problem here." This, this pain I'm experiencing, it's all God's fault. What do you do when you feel like that? And I think, I think one of the things I, I want you to understand, and I'm so glad Jessica shared this, is that it's okay to be mad at God and to be angry and to let Him know about how much you're hurting. He understands in fact, the Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Jesus would echo with you. Me too. I was abandoned and hurt by, by someone I thought I, uh, who loved me. Jesus says, yeah, that was Judas. Me too. I was mocked by others. I was, I was uh, abandoned by God even. And Jesus would say, yeah, when I took the sins of the world on me, God turned his back on me. God the Father looked away and, and left me alone. For the first time in all of the universe's history, I was utterly alone. Me too. I know what that's like. But that doesn't mean you quit. When we're faced with failure, we need to recognize that failure is different than quitting. In fact, sometimes it's part of the process. And he says, so then he turns a corner here. He says, okay, so, so you know, it's unloaded on God. And then he says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. God is not done with me. Even when we fail, God's love never fails. And this is something about God that, that is countercultural to us 
and is also like not what we want to do most of all. And that is we like throwing stuff away and starting over because it's just easier. In fact, when I bought my house and moved down here in, in 2005, like we, we decided we're going to like put an addition on and we're going to fix it up. And, and at my age now, I would never do that again. It is just, it just doesn't, putting new with old, like, and first of all, I don't know what I'm doing, so I saved money because I did some of it myself, and many of you helped me, but then I also spent more money because I had to do it like twice or three times, and like, oh, rip that out, start over, and, and, and it doesn't come together right, and so, you know, one of the things I definitely would have done is I would have ripped the whole roof off and put a whole new roof on, because trying to put an old roof and a new roof together, guess what happened? It leaked. Yeah. And so then we try to fix that. And then that leaked. And then we try to fix it again. And, it, you know, just it's so much easier to just throw it away and start over. I mean, you want an appliance fix? It's hard to even find anyone who'd come out and fix it. Because why? It's just easier. Just throw it away. Just go buy a new one. We don't just do this with stuff. We do this with people. We do this with marriage. We do this in families. Where people are like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to my kid anymore. I'm not going to talk to my parent. I'm going I'm to just start over. God is the ultimate recycler. He, he doesn't throw things away. He says, I want a reset. I want to restore. I want to fix this. And that's actually what he was doing with Israel. It felt like to Jeremiah, God was just like, I am done with you. And he was just throwing them away. But, but Jeremiah re- realized, and we realized that, no, he was disciplining. And he was saying, okay, yeah, so, so you haven't, blessing hasn't helped you, so now we're going to try some, some harsher measures. But because I love you, not because I hate you, and even the failure you're in now, we may not understand what God is doing, and maybe it's not about you, maybe it's about somebody else in your orbit that God is working in, the, the sadness and the, and the difficulty of your life to impact them. And, and even when we fail, we need to remember God's love never fails. In the next verse, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. This is, this is the guy on ground zero, right? He's looking around and he's like, this city, I remember when we had over 100,000, maybe tens of thousands of people in this bustling city and there was children running in the streets and there's happiness and now it's a ghost town. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh every morning. Every day is a chance for a reset. Every day. And you know, you may not be able to reset things with other people. Sometimes people do throw away relationships, cut you off, don't forgive, don't have mercy, don't allow you to start over, but you can always start over with God every single day. In fact, you don't even have to ma- wait for the sunrise. You could do it right now. Every minute, God, God is saying, you know, His mercies are new. Mercy means not giving you what you deserve, not punishing you the way you deserve to be punished. And that's, that's what God wants. He doesn't want to punish. He doesn't want to. He's like, man, I am ready for, for a new guy. 
Winston Churchill, who was the leader of Great Britain during World War II, said that success is not final and failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And that's how we need to live with God and to realize that, that you know, we talk, I talked about this several weeks ago about how people making New Year's resolutions, how, how in particular giving up alcohol, so the subset of people that said, I'm going to give up alcohol this year, it said at the beginning of the year, you know, 100% had given up alcohol one day in, and it was less than 100%. And then three months in and six months in, and then a year in, it was like only 13% had stuck with that commitment. But then two years later, it was 50% more than that bottom one year later. And, and so it, it just went like this. And what you learn from that, and I think what we know from even our experience is many times failure is part of the process of success, as long as you don't quit and give up. And so Israel in this time, the, the second greatest failure going in Jewish history, but it wasn't the end because Jeremiah didn't quit and others didn't quit. And, and we need to not quit either. Every day is a chance for a reset. Um, every morning we get a fresh dose of his mercy. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that, that promise is available every single minute of our lives. We can confess. And, and if we're, we're repentant, he can give us that, that new relationship, that reset with him to, to keep going. Um, it's a good point here. God hasn't given up on you, so you shouldn't give up on you either. And um, suicide. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some here that maybe are even considering that. And somehow you, you came anyway, you probably didn't even want to get out of bed this morning. And you know what? God hasn't given up on you. And if you want to be like God, then you need to not give up on you. And God believes in you. And you say, oh, no one believes in me. That's, that's never true. God believes in you. Because if he didn't believe in you, you'd be gone already anyway. <laughs> and so don't, don't, don't take that step. Don't, don't go to that despair. Don't quit. Because God hasn't quit on you. He does, he does love you. And, that, and like Jeremiah, he, that love may seem very distant. It may seem only theoretical. He, he's not, Jeremiah's not feeling the love of God at this point, but his brain knows, knows it's true. That's who God is. So he goes on, he says, I will say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. And um, th this kind of sets me back a little bit. It's, it's kind of weird to me. Um, the Lord is my inheritance. H how is that true? See, usually, I think most of us, we think of God as the source of good things that we want, but not what we want itself, right? 
it's kind of like if you, have a, if you have a really loving, awesome father or mother, you know, either one, and they take you to McDonald's and buy you a Whopper and fries, and some of you are thinking if they're a really loving father, he wouldn't take you to McDonald's and buy you a Big Mac, sorry, not a Whopper. <laughs> yeah, whatever. They're all the same thing. And everyone from Burger King and McDonald's are hating me right now. <laughs> they're not the same thing. Whatever. So you get you a Big Mac, and you know maybe it's bad for you. But so, and and what what kid though? How smart would a kid be if a dad says, "Hey, could I have one of those fries?" And the kid is like, "When you pry them away from my cold, greasy fingers," <laughs> like, "No, because the fries are what I really want. The fries are my reward. The fries are my inheritance. The fries are, you know, a smart kid would realize." Dad can get me a mountain of fries. My fries and Big Mac, that isn't my reward. That's not what I really, really need and want. What I really, really need and want is a good dad. Because not only can he get me fries, he can buy me a bike (laughs) and teach me how to ride it and then push me off my bike onto the ground, skinning my knees because there was a car coming and he saved my life. And I didn't see it coming. And, and man, a dad, a good dad, that is my reward. That is my inheritance. That is better than any of these other things. And so often in our lives, we think, man, what I really want is security. And if God could give me enough money so that I could be secure or the right relationships around me of people that, that are unselfish and will look out for me and that will help me be secure, if God could give me those things, then, man, I love God. But we forget. It's not people. It's not money that's security. It's God himself. If God could give me joy you know, and put these things in my life that will make me happy, but it's not those things that is the ultimate source of happiness. It's God himself. And peace and significance and love and all those things you really, really want are found in God. And this is why our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ because a better disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who is more like Jesus And to be more like Jesus, to be more like God, is to become the best possible version of you that you could possibly be. And the best possible version of you is someone of love and joy and peace and patience and and, and who's secure and who you are and who God is and, and all of those things. And you know what? That is incredibly attractive to other people. And you know what? This is what our world needs is more people, more like Jesus, bringing as many along with us in that journey. And you know what? Next Sunday is gonna be an exciting Sunday, at least for me. I don't know if you'll be excited, but I, I just want to share with you about, about how our church is doing, about where we're going, and how, how we're going to put that all together. But, but ultimately, this is our goal, to be like God. That's the, that's the solution to almost every problem in the world today, is people who need to be more like Jesus. And, and God is our inheritance, and, and so even failure can lead us to Jesus. In fact, I wanted to change this, but we decide the points together as pastors, so I can't change it after it's done. But I wanted to say especially failure. 
can lead us to Jesus. So often that's exactly and the only thing that we need that, that can get us there. Um, in fact, that, that last verse, here we go. I'm going to look at, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Dependence on God. God is the only one who actually wants you to depend on him all the time. Right, as humans, we're not built to have someone depend on us completely forever. Okay, babies, totally dependent upon their mother. But even then, it's great to have a father to hand them off for just a little break. And, and it is hard. Little babies, you know, so many parents, they're like, they're, older parents sometimes don't help younger parents. They're like, oh, you think it's bad when they're three months? Just wait until they're 13. You know, well, that's encouraging, you know. <laughs> it's different when it's 13, but I'm telling you, it's not as exhausting as when it's three months because they are completely dependent upon you. And you're, you know, that's, that's, how, they, that's how they torture people, right? <laughs> Sleep deprivation, you know, and all these other things. And, and, and so, but God is different. In fact, even care, caregivers, even caregivers, they need a break, right? Someone, a respite, someone to come in for just, just one day, for a few hours. No, nobody, because we're not God. We're not built to have someone dependent upon us forever, all the time, 24-7. But God is. He actually wants you to be dependent upon Him. Like, if you're dependent upon me like that, I'm like, you're a leech, get away, you know? But God is like, no, this is, this is good. This is the way I've designed it. Yes, depend on me. You need to. And then to search for him. That is so important. I told a 14-year-old boy this week who had been cutting himself and was being transferred out of the hospital to another facility. I said, Jeremiah says this in chapter 29. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But he says, if you turn to me and seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. Those promises of hope and, and, and the character of God and the inheritance that God is, it's only for those who seek him with all their heart. And seeking the very definition of the word is an exercise in failure. You only seek because what? You haven't found yet. You haven't succeeded. So, so seekers are always failing. But they're not quitting. And they just keep going. Right? And so that, that's what we need to do. We need to seek him. And I'm not saying, and you'll never find him. No, I mean, and there are times of, of refreshing where, where, we, where we feel like, man, I, I feel like I'm in the presence of God and I can feel his love and his joy and his peace and this is just a highlight and that's awesome, but we still need to keep seeking until the day we see him face to face because the Lord is good to those who seek him and who, who diligently depend on him. Um, maybe you came here today ready to give up on your marriage And God's saying, you know what? 
it's not time. Maybe you came here today willing, ready to give up on your life and telling you need to keep going. Maybe you came today ready to give up on God. And this is like, this is the last time I'm going to church because he's let me down and he hasn't done what I think he should have done and look at my life and don't give up. As you leave today, there's going to be little cards um, that our guest services team is going to hand out to everyone. In fact, if you, if you want to have a ministry and you like people, join the guest services team. And now if you don't like people, that is probably not the spot <laughs> for you. There may be some other spot, but, um, but they're going to hand it out to you. And on the one side, it says Galatians 6, 9, one of my favorite verses, do not grow weary in doing well, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then the other side, it says don't give up. And we just want to remind all of you to not give up. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on some other person in your life. Don't give up on, on whatever it is, maybe that resolution you made. And maybe your resolution was a dumb one. Maybe it was a bad one. Maybe it should go away. But there is something that God wants you to change in your life to become more like him. Don't give up on doing that and becoming the person God wants you to be. Um, we're gonna close, um, we, I'm gonna close in prayer and then the band's gonna come back and sing a really powerful song. When all I see is the battle, you see the victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see that mountain moved. And how do we fight? And how do we, how do we, how do we get to where we need to go? We, we, we fight that battle on our knees and in prayer. I was so encouraged this morning. We had double digits in our prayer meeting this morning at 8 o'clock. 8 to 8.45 if you want to come. So either come later and sleep in and at 10.45 or come earlier at 8 o'clock and in the cafe room and be a part of prayer. We'll do whatever you want, but um, you will anyway. You don't listen. You don't listen to me. Um, supposed to listen to God anyways, not me. But um, we need to pray for each other. And I, I don't do this every Sunday because I don't want it to get old and stale. Um, but we do this every so often. Um, I, I would hate for someone to come here this morning desperately in need of someone to pray for them. And then they leave and no one did. And so we're going to, as we sing this song, I've encouraged several people to come forward. They'll stand up here and they'll pray with you about anything. It could be, you know, it could be your pet. It could be, it could be something incredibly serious. It could be, you know, maybe you just even want to talk. That's okay too. Just want to encourage you to do that. And, and as you leave, maybe you can even ask that question of someone before you leave. Hey, I know I don't know you very well. Maybe I don't know you at all. My name's Bob. <laughs> I was supposed to introduce myself when I come up here. My name's Bob Ketlisic. I'm a, one of the pastors here. Anyway, good morning, Terry. But just introduce yourself and say, hey, is there one way I can pray for you this morning, this week? I want to do that. Um, because we live in a world that is not healthy. This world is sick and people are hurting and God has sent you 
maybe to, to help others who are hurting, or maybe he sent you to encourage someone else by letting them know your hurts. You know, I was, th- I was thinking about this recently in relation to someone that I love. And Sunday mornings for me, um, I actually had a little bit of this this morning in that song. Most of the time, just to be honest with you, the songs do not encourage me. They do not help me. Most of the time, when I'm not preaching, even when I'm preaching either, but even when someone else is preaching, most of the time, the sermons do not reach me and encourage me. But you know what does? Talking to people whose lives have been changed, talking to people who are hurting and being able to pray with them, that is what does it for me on Sundays. And maybe that's true of you. I mean, we got people here who some of you are retired pastors and you got like theology out the, and, and, and Sunday morning isn't a learning experience for you. But that doesn't mean it can't be an encouraging experience. And um, talking to Mary Alice Hawley and saying, man, you need the encouragement of the body of Christ. And in that conversation, she basically shared the most encouraging thing for me every week, look forward to it, every week is going to prison and talking to men and women there. She says, I come out so encouraged because that's real life and that's where the Holy Spirit comes down and meets with me and meets with them and, and that's what encourages. And so I, however it is, and I, man, if, I, I hope you're encouraged by the songs. I don't know why we sing them if they don't encourage a lot of you, you know, but maybe, you know, I'm glad many of you are not wired like me. And I hope the sermons are encouraging because otherwise I'm not sure why I'm giving them. But, but all that to say, there's so many different ways and, and a lot of it is just, man, just be a part of, of what God is doing and join him because he is the source. That's where, I mean, you might see God through the song, see God and, and his presence through the message or you might see it through praying with someone or, or hearing someone's hurt. But let's draw near to God and he will draw near to us. Heavenly Father, I just, I just ask that you'd help us not to be quitters on this quitters week of the year. And God, I I don't know what people are going through. I know there's a lot of hurt. I think of Mackenzie, 26 years old, passing away just this last week, and his mom and grandma and his aunt and uncle who come here just grieving. And I think of uh, Marcia, who was, I think, just here a couple weeks ago, and she passed away as well, and more grief, and And God, I just thank you that in the midst of all of our pain and hurt and disappointment and failures, that you're there. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear because you're there. You're with me. You're with every one of us here. God, help us to run to you. We don't even have to run. We just have to turn around and to look to you in our times of weakness and failure. 
And God, do, do an amazing work in us and with us and through us and around us through the name of Jesus Christ in whom we pray, amen. Let's all stand together. And um, I'm just going to encourage again the, the prayers to come forward as we sing, come forward even now and be in the front. And, and then I just want to encourage you, and maybe you don't need prayer for you. Maybe you need prayer for someone else. Come forward, talk about that, pray. Don't, don't leave today unprayed for. Um, go right to the throne of, of, of the Lord this morning.